Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is a result of systemic oppression, racism, sexism, capitalism, all the things that are meant to hold BIPOC people down from reaching their the, their wealth ability or their ability to generate more income and revenue. And that gets internalized into inner haters, as I call them, or saboteurs, self-sabotaging thoughts of people pleasing where we're scared to claim our rates in our businesses. We're scared to say we are worthy of more. We're scared to embrace our full or earning potential. We're scared to even tell our families that we're going after something more ambitious than stability. So it's all tied into it. And I think violence in business is very related to violence we see on the streets. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and today's episode features not one, but two amazing guests. That's right, we are hosting Nadia Deala and Allison Carpio, who are entrepreneurs and hosts of the Hella Rich Podcast, a show for women of color entrepreneurs who want to get hella rich in money, time, and joy. Does that sound like something that you want? I know it sure does for me. Allison is the author of Shut Up and Take My Money. She's a speaker and marketing consultant, 
And she got fed up seeing all the fake scarcity, high pressure, and sleazy tactics of the online marketing bro culture that I'm sure you're very well aware of. Now she teaches women of color business owners how to get their customers thrilled to buy from them over and over again without the BS and without the pressure. Nadia is a leadership and negotiation coach, speaker, and facilitator. She is founder of Real You Leadership, a program that helps badass, creative, and ambitious women of color in tech level up their relationships, influence, and money so they can create the empowered and free lives they really want. Make sure you check out their amazing podcast, The Hella Rich Podcast. It is not just a show for women entrepreneurs, I think it's a show for any woman of color who is just struggling to get past the scarcity, the limiting beliefs, and all of the bullshit that we tell ourselves about us not being worthy of our dreams and goals. So I'm super excited for today's episode, and we're going to talk more about these blocks that we deal with as women, as women of color, as entrepreneurs. Like, we're breaking it down, y'all. We are going to get deep. So if you are ready to hear some hella inspiring conversations, Stay tuned. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome, ladies, to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Let's start off with some introductions. We have two amazing guests on the podcast today, creators of the Hellerich Podcast. Yeah, so my name is Nadia Deala. I am a two-times founder, facilitator, and speaker. And I founded Nadia Deala Coaching and Real You Leadership, supporting women of, and femmes of color in technology. So those who are seeking to level up their pay, positions, and their recognitions in their tech careers, I got you as a leadership and negotiation coach. And I'm also the co-founder with my best friend, Allison here of Let's Get Hella Rich. And we run the Hella Rich podcast where we support BIPOC women and femmes entrepreneurs. And I'm really excited to be here. I'm Allison Carpio, and I am the author of Shut Up and Take My Money. It's a book about marketing, and I believe you can get customers saying shut up and take my money without the oppressive, manipulative tactics that a lot of the bros are teaching out there. And I am a copy coach, um, so I coach BIPOC entrepreneurs on email and funnel copy. And as Nadia said, I'm also the co-founder of Let's Get Hella Rich and the co-podcast hosts of the Hella Rich podcast. I love your energies together. I think you guys are a match made in heaven. I love the messaging too of your podcast. You have a podcast for women of color entrepreneurs and you literally are encouraging us to just show up 
like our baddest selves and I'm so here for it. So I want the audience to get to know more about you. So let's start off with your money stories. Tell me more about what you learned about money growing up. And Nadia, we can start with you. Yeah, so I I really appreciate these questions. Allison and I have known each other since we were 12, basically. And we met through a Filipino youth retreat one weekend. It was was incredible with over 100 other Filipino kids and learning our history and self. And so that's where the dynamic comes from. And we're so comfortable talking together that lately all we've been talking about is our money traumas and money fears and the programming we've grown up with. Like we were just voice memoing today and Allison just mem- voice memoed me saying, your money traumas are not your reality. <laughs> They're not your truth. Right. And it's just, and it's, it's something that, you know, it can be as simple as, you know, I grew up with parents who had brick and mortar businesses and my mom was a Filipino nurse. They were both immigrants from the Philippines. They came here with nothing, did the quote unquote traditional American dream and started uh, two auto repair shops and a care home that I grew up in. And I saw their joy being their own business owners, but all I saw was the stress of their relationship was stress about money. So I remember thinking growing up, I will never own a business. And surprise, surprise, things change, obviously. But it also comes from things like seeing my mom make good money and be the person who was the financial owner and bookkeeper and accountant for our family and still sneak in when my dad was asleep, tell her kids to sneak in all her shopping bags, right? Like, and not kids, dad's asleep, help me sneak it in. And we would like sneak in and crawl underneath and push her shopping bags to hide her, how she spent her money and how she chose to spend her money. So just messages like that, that I have to make as much money, but I can't share or express or be open about how I spend it was very confusing and conflicting. Um, and I'll start with that because there's there's so much more. But just I think about small pockets of money memories here and there when I, I reflect on that question. Yeah. So first, I want to say um, what I had told Nadia, like your money traumas are not reality <laughs> and you are not bad with money. You just have money stresses and traumas. So that goes to everybody listening out here. I was taught growing up to save, 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 save everything you've got because you never know. Both of my parents are also immigrants from the Philippines. My mom is also a nurse and my dad um, was in the Navy and a lot of Navy veterans um, go into the postal service as, um, as mail carriers because their years in the Navy go towards retirement. So what I saw growing up was them tirelessly working towards retirement. Everything is for retirement. It didn't matter how much you loved or did not love your job. You just got to do it for retirement. So stability was key. And I had no idea what I'd be an entrepreneur either because what is not stable in, you know, especially for most people is entrepreneurship. So that was the, that was the context I grew up in. And for Christmas, my 20 cousins and I, we had to sing and dance for our presents. So um, my family was very smart in creating this talent show for everyone and the kids had to sing and dance. And guess what the Christmas presents were? Money. 
always money. So Christmas was like my annual payday, <laughs> so to speak. And whenever I cashed in on that payday, I never spent my money. I would just hold it because I was scared of losing it. I was scared of someone taking it away. And that is what my parents taught me. So it really took me a while to understand that I could actually invest in myself and that I'm not going to lose all my money. Okay. I feel like you're literally inside of my brain extracting the thoughts that I've had. (laughs) So real. Money hoarding is a real thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, girl. Tell me about it. So, you know, obviously if we think about the kind of root of that issue, it definitely is a scarcity mindset thing where we are just expecting the bottom to fall out from under us, right? And I think obviously because we saw our parents struggle with money We're just kind of waiting for the same thing to happen to us. And I feel like I've had to battle with this idea that like we have to make our parents sacrifice worth it. And so I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves to be successful that it almost manifests itself in like a workaholic, like run yourself into the ground type of mentality. And I'm wondering if you guys have personally dealt with that or if you've seen that from your clients as something that manifests itself in our communities. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a huge pressure. I mean, we see it in our clients and let's get hella rich all the time for our membership. And I see it in my clients for negotiating as well, that um, especially if you, you were the first in your family or your generation going in untraditional paths, like none of us are doctors or lawyers, I think. <laughs> but, you know... I think that when Allison and I, when we both exited out of our tech careers, right, making good money, I'm sure I'll speak for myself at least. My mom literally called me 30 minutes before I put in my notice and I went on a self-funded career sabbatical. I saved up a lot of money with my husband and decided to turn that into FU money. (laughs) Um, it It was for many different reasons, but I remember telling my my mom three to six months in advance, hey, I'm going to quit my job. I'm just letting you know. And at that point, it, I had been years financially since being financially independent from her, zero money from her needed. And she called me 30 minutes before I put in my notice like, Anak, don't do it. I know. Anak means like, miha, you know, it means my child. Like, I know that you, you want to be happy, but think about it. I just saw in the news that, SF's rent is higher than normal. It's all time high. And I was like, that's not news, mom. I got to go. And I remember shaking. She didn't even know I was putting in my notice that day, just by divine timing. She just happened to, I never told her that she happened to call then. And I remember shaking and I remember crying in that conference room thinking, am I making a mistake? Right? Am I letting her down? Am I disappointing her? Which she didn't say. She was more concerned about my well-being and she trusted me enough to listen to me when I told her to calm down. But I remember thinking, because I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur at that point, but just thinking, how could I do this to her and everything she has worked for? Um, You know, and there's so much layers to it. Like my dad passed away when I was 15 unexpectedly from cancer. And it was a three month window from when we found out to when he was gone. And my mom put three children through college with zero financial aid for the most part. I have no idea how this woman knew to not put her kids in debt as an immigrant woman. There's just so much that 
I owe to her and I think about it all the time. Is she going to be okay to retire? She's 66 and not retiring yet. And me and my sister talk about, my sister and I talk about this a lot. We also have a brother, but mainly my sister and I, I think as women of color and women of the family and daughters, always think about how can we help her? Uh, yeah. So there, there, there's certainly pressure there. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I had a very different experience. Like I had been building up my business before I quit for almost, I want to say eight months to almost a year or so because I, because of scarcity mentality that I inherited from my parents and ancestors, I did not feel comfortable no matter how much I saved. I think I had like eight to 10 months saved up, which is pretty, pretty conservative. I knew I had to completely replace my tech income before I felt comfortable quitting, which of course, you know, meant that my timeline looked a little bit different from other folks who can quit and then figure it out even with an FU fund. So what I did, and I'm not advocating this in any way, but what past Allison did, she or I I had quit my job already um, and started my business and it was already running before I even told my parents because I did not want them to be concerned. And I knew if I had told them in the early stages, they would freak out and um, maybe not even support me or maybe convince me not to do it. So I made the decision to to let them in on it when I was already um, already feeling enough financial security to go off on my own. And now it's like, you know, they're like, they don't know what I do still, but they they just know that I'm not asking for money. And they're like, okay, she's cool. She's fine. We don't have to worry about her anymore. <laughs> I think that's it. They, Yeah. My mom knows she does not have to worry. So that's that's enough. That's funny. It's like they know as long as you can feed yourself and maybe take them out to a nice dinner, they're like, okay, I think you're fine. You'll be okay. Also, can you take me out again? <laughs> That's my parents. They're like, okay, so when's the next time this is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can definitely say that the biggest anxiety I had about quitting my job was not, you know, random people finding out, not even people at work finding out. It was literally like, how the hell am I going to tell my parents that I'm doing this? I literally went to school, got two degrees, got like the six-figure job did all of the things that they wanted me to do. And now that I walked away from it, I had so much anxiety, but I'm so grateful that they got it. They support me. And a lot of that actually had to come down to them seeing the numbers. Like, I'm like, guys, this is how much I've saved. Like, this is the plan. Um, I'm going to be okay. And so finally, with showing them that information, like, they were like, okay, we trust you. You're smart. You're going to figure shit out. So blessings to them for giving me that support because it's so important. And I think that kind of anxiety definitely stops us from doing the things that we know we are called to do. So parents, if you're listening, support your damn kids, okay? We're out here trying to change the world. <laughs> so I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. It is AAPI Heritage Month. And, you know, I hate these stupid, like, token holidays because every day is a freaking day to celebrate how awesome our cultures are. But I would love for you guys to talk about sort of the model minority myth that so many ignorant ass people in communities that are not of our own use to justify the fact that like 
Asian people, for some reason, people think like y'all don't struggle, like there's no poverty and that you guys don't get racism and none of that. Can you please school us on this myth? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I see your stank face. Oh, I was just, I was, <laughs> just I was like, shaking my head. I was like, ooh, no, that's so not true. <laughs> yeah. um, I wish that were true. It's, it's super not. Um, yeah, the... I think a common misconception, especially in my experience as a Filipino-American who does not look Filipino, um, I'm often mistaken as Chinese. Um, I've gotten a lot of things, but people don't know that I am brown when they first see me. So automatically, they don't group me in people of color or they don't think that I am a woman of color. So when they make these microaggressions, they really think that it does not impact me. Um, it has happened many times in in masterminds with clients who are all well-meaning, and yet they just don't know. And I think I think that 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 misconception that the AAPI community is not part of the BIPOC community um, is a complete misconception and that something Nadia and I learned very early on at the Filipino youth leadership retreat that we met at um, when we were 12 was that we are not free until the BIPOC community is free because we are a part of that community. So when, when folks think that like I, as a Filipino American is, it's not a POC. It is really hurtful. And it's really, um, I just want people to know that that is not the case. Um, that is not the case. And I mean, everyone's situation is different, but like, yo, we just told you our money stories. Like that shit's real. That shit is so real of the, the scarcity and just losing it all. And, you know, we, we inherited that from our parents and our ancestors who experienced, traumatic events like colonialism, you know, like we were colonized by Spain. So we, we share a lot of that same, um, that same trauma that a lot of other POC folks do. Yeah. I mean, we're speaking us as Filipino descendants, right? That 300 plus years of colonialism, once we finally gained our independence, Spain sold us off to the U.S. for $20 million. Talk about money stories there at the time. Like, what what was that, right? And how deep-rooted that colonialism from both the Spanish and the United States is in Philippine culture and the brain drain that we are certainly a part of, which is taking all our best talent um, like nurses for my mother, for instance, bringing them over here. And there, there's so many layers to this, but what you're alluding to is the erasure, Allison, of API voices or API voices on a global level that we are the quote unquote model minority myth, which is at play here that we, we don't have racialized problems. We don't have racialized challenges or traumas because we're the good minorities. We are the model standard. And if any, if everybody could just be like us, quote unquote, um, then 
the world would be a better place. But really what this is, is violence. This is erasure. This is dangerous. This is not just dangerous for API folks. This is dangerous for Black, Indigenous, Latinx, and all POCs to have this false standard <laughs> that we should all be living when, when really um, I want to state that as a leadership and negotiation coach for women of color and technology, I focus a lot on the equal pay days, which transfers into the entrepreneurship and business world, the same mindsets and mentalities. But honestly, you know, this year's API Women Equal Pay Day was March 9th, making 90 cents to the dollar, um, to the white man's dollar in December 31st, 2020. But we are not a monolith either. There are so many different communities and ethnicities that break down the API community. It's just insulting and dangerous to put a blanket statement over us in the first place where, you know, Taiwanese women, for instance, and in the data shows are making even more than the white man's dollar, right? Whereas Hmong women, Vietnamese women are lower to 55 cents to the white man's dollar, close to that roughly. And, you know, when we think about we are the first in equal pay days, but actually we're not the first because it's a wide range. Filipinos are right smack dab in the middle, I think around 80 cents or so to the white man's dollar. So all of these this is a result of systemic oppression, racism, sexism, capitalism, all the things that are meant to hold BIPOC people down from reaching their wealth, their wealth ability or their ability to generate more income and revenue. And that gets internalized into inner haters, as I call them, or saboteurs, self-sabotaging thoughts of People pleasing, where we're scared to claim our rates in our businesses. We're scared to say we are worthy of more. We're scared to embrace our full earning potential. We're scared to even tell our families that we're going after something more ambitious than stability. So it's all tied into it. And I think violence in business is very related to violence we see on the streets. And one thing I'll add to what Nadia said about the model minority myth. I mean, the model minority myth is turning our communities against each other. It is it is not serving anyone in the BIPOC community. It is, in fact, used among different communities to turn them against each other so that white people can do what white people are going to do. <laughs> so that is one thing that I want to address there, that it is um, actually really harmful for for the greater community at large. Right. So we don't we don't play into that and we hope that all your listeners don't play into that and that the real the real thing we should be focusing dismantling and hopefully taking down is colonial patriarchy, white supremacy. It's just we are not each other's enemies. That was brilliantly executed you guys are so eloquent the way that you painted that picture and I think it's just such a great reminder that we have so much more in common than we have that is different and that's why I wanted you to start off with your money stories because your money story sounds like a person of Latinx descent money story sounds like a person of African-American descent money story like we are all rooted in this struggle y'all and the point for us is to understand that like it is in white supremacy's best interest that we pit ourselves, that we are pitted against each other. That way, if we're fighting amongst each other, 
we can't really see what the actual problem is. And, you know, it's uh, when we are continuously fed this message of inferiority and um, unworthiness, it shows up in every aspect of our lives. And so that's why I think it's so important that you guys created this platform to encourage us to see beyond the negativity and the inferiority that we are being fed. So is that one of the reasons why you started the podcast or like what was the origin story behind it? I mean, we love podcasts. <laughs> we kind of knew that we are, Allison and I, I, at least I think we have a, a energy and synergy for speaking together and as individuals and together that we know our dynamic is pretty freaking awesome and radical. <laughs> yeah. And we, I think we just thought, why not do a podcast and see how it goes? Um, it was I think it started as a test, but very intentionally just to spread the word about the Let's Get Hella Rich membership and also just to kind of get our knowledge out there, right? Um, I mean, we'd have conversations and we're like, damn, that was good. That should be a podcast yeah. episode. <laughs> we're like, we should really just putting record this all there. our conversations. <laughs> yeah, damn. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think that was it. And then, I mean, we really wanted to reach more people beyond our social media. We wanted it to be structured and intentional. We wanted it to have a vibe. We wanted it to um, be super focused. There's a reason why our podcasts are only anywhere from 10 to 25 minutes long. 25 minutes is stretching it, I think, because we, we do want to just take out all the knowledge and share the wealth. A lot of our members always tell us like, oh, we just listened to this other episode. We just listened to this other episode. It helped me break through. So it's kind of folded into our curriculum that we have in the membership, I think. I love it. Okay. I want to dive into your entrepreneurial journeys and we can start off with you, Allison. So how did you go from working in a super bro-y copyright culture to creating your own marketing consultation business? Yeah, the funnel bros, the copy bros, they're all the same, the Chad, Brad, and Thads. I actually created an IG reel where we, well, I wrote a parody to No Scrubs and it was called No Funnel Bros. And we we learned the choreo because Love TLC wanted to pay tribute to them. So that's that. That's amazing. So I was um I was deep in the 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 bro marketer world. I mean in copywriting, um I think when the mass majority of people hear the word copywriting, they think of like brand copywriting, like you write for Spotify or Fitbit and you're like a brand copywriter. And that is very like female centric. There are some women and femmes of color as copywriters, but for the most part, that's what people think of. The The copywriting world that I was a part of was more like conversion and sales copy, which um, in the online entrepreneurship space is incredibly impactful for your business. And unfortunately, it is also filled with, you know, like Gary Vaynerchuk bros, um, Tony Robbins bros, because they like their businesses were essentially built on on copy that resonated with their ideal customers. So I was in these circles and I was in these communities and part of me thought that this was all that was available were like these hella white bro masterminds. And I was in like 
three of them um, at one point, and um, there, I was I was either the only woman of color or the only woman which meant I was the only woman of color. So, I mean, I remember one event where I was a speaker there and there were like 200 people there and there were like 10 women and roughly, roughly, this is all rough estimates, um, roughly like three of them were there as mastermind members. The rest of them were like guests or like wives, girlfriends, partners of people there. So that's like, like, if you think of, you know, uh, like the whitest industry you can think of, I don't know, fucking Wall Street or something like that. It's kind of like that. Um, And after the Black Lives Matter uprising back in June 2020, when George Floyd was murdered, um, it that really brought out a lot because as the only women of color in these groups, um, I just had this light bulb moment, like, oh shit, I am not safe in these circles. Um, whether that's because people were directly being hella harmful or because they were just, you know, ignoring the news and saying, hey, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And just being like completely ignorant to it. I just knew that I was not in a safe space. And in business, if you don't have that support and you don't feel safe, it's going to be really hard for you, or at least it was hard for me to to really grow my business and to really put myself out there, to launch new offers, to um, to really do anything. So um, that was like the the big impetus for me. I was well. First of all, I was messaging Nadia back and forth and she was like yo yeah that's real like you not feeling safe in those communities that is so real and there's nothing wrong with you with that and um a few or maybe 20 voice notes later (laughs) we we decided that like oh we could we can create our own community because like I was tired of my communities um and uh the the white bro communities and also like I couldn't find any other communities to find and then for Nadia I'll let her speak to that but like we we just didn't want other women of color to feel like they didn't have any options and that the only options were these white bro masterminds these you know white women masterminds uh, whatever you want to call it um it we we knew we wanted to create something for women and femmes of color to feel safe and to support each other and lift each other up. And get hella rich together, right? Like that that's in time, money, and joy. In time, money and joy. And um so for me, I in coaching in general, I quit my job June 2017, and that was to reset. I was going through a lot. I was going through a pretty brutal immigration process with my husband, started therapy, which I always call as the gateway to coaching in my mind, Um, the gateway drug to coaching. Um, And I did an eat, pray, love while Allison was working in Peru and Colombia. She was the first person I knew 
who was basically a digital nomad that started her own business at the time. And she was like, hey, I know you can't make a decision on when to quit your job because there's always a reason, right? Like, I know you work with a lot of side hustlers. Like, there's always a reason to be like, oh, I have to wait for this project. I have to wait for this financial goal. Oh, but this this launch, oh, so-and-so needs to take a vacation and they really need me there in order to do that, et cetera. And Allison was like, I think you should meet me in this country. I think you should meet me in Peru and Colombia. I think you should quit your job then. I did. And it was really a healing and a reset. I did not know what I wanted to do. Um, I just knew that I couldn't focus on a resume. I couldn't focus on my LinkedIn. I couldn't focus on job descriptions. I literally had a strong body reaction telling me, you can't do that right now. I had a crying on the floor in the bathroom at work moment. And I that was the first time I think I started listening to my body's wisdom and listening to the fact that I am not doing anything that's bringing me joy right now. And so I quit my job without another job, went on this e love trip. On the last night, Allison and I were going through love advice and talking through some things at the time. And I was, I was going through some stuff. She's going through some stuff. I was going we want to get into it. But some things. <laughs> no, I was giving her just my thoughts and opinions. And she had been doing copywriting for a lot of coaching services at the time. And was like, you know, I know a lot about this and you're, you've got a pretty good knack for this. There's like a natural energy and talent that you have. And she said, you should really think about coaching. I know you mentioned that. And since that day, kid you not, I have not stopped thinking about it since July 2017. Pursued it, went for it. And in doing my training certification and just building my business. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. And clients, when I hired my first business coach, when it came to the niche of it all, and niching, niching, whatever, um, all I could really think about were a few things, but woman of color shined. And it took me... This was years ago, but there was hardly any people focusing on women of color. I remember searching Google and thinking, like Googling woman of color career coach, woman of color executive coach, and nothing popped up. And I remember thinking, if Google doesn't know this, what is going on? Um, Google knows everything. Google knows everything, right? What? What's happening? What? <laughs> What's wrong, Google? One of those moments. And so I did a lot of market research, informational interviews with women of color. And most women of color I spoke to that were in technology, who were also children of immigrants themselves, typically kept saying, I thought coaching was just for white people. And that to me was like, oof, well, clearly not. I'm 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 already an example of where it's not. And then I remember a lot of friends who are marketers and some other folks who were women of color coaches who didn't specifically focus on women of color telling me, you know, it's not the sign at my door, but I wouldn't know. I, I don't know if I would say that because women of color aren't used to paying for those things. So I don't know how lucrative it will be. And guess what? It's fucking lucrative. <laughs> um, and it's it's we are willing to invest in ourselves and it's it's breaking the taboo. And I just remember sitting with all of this for months with my business coach who was a white woman that was telling me, I think you have something you're passionate about here. Go for it. But I had to choose it myself. So finally, I thought if I listen to those voices of scarcity, I know that is part of the problem that I have to shift that paradigm that women of color won't pay for these things. And, and then, yeah. Oh, and it makes it makes sense that that was the um, concern at the time that women of color might not pay. It's this cycle. Like there are not women of color coaches explicitly saying, I specifically serve women of color only. And therefore, women of color seeking coaches um, they'll only see, you know, white coaches or, you know, they, they don't see that things are built for them and therefore they will not pay. So it's not that they don't value investing exactly. in themselves. It's that they, they, or we like typically see things and we're like, that's not for me, unless it is explicitly called out, which is what we do with let's get hella rich. They will, they will, um, they will assume that is not for them because historically that has been the case, right? Exactly, and that's why for me at the beginning it was important. This has to be the sign at my door, and then when we started, let's get hella rich. It, this is all. This is all I want to do. Like that. That's it. End of story. There's nothing better than it. I mean, uh, than working with BIPOC folks and community because we we are so under resourced in the first place, especially Black, Indigenous, and Latina women, and we need to create more spaces. And I I want to always make it clear that just because we are for BIPOC women and femmes does not mean that we are anti everything else. It's just that 
there's magic here. And it's just such a beautiful space to be in community with folks who look like you or have the same upbringing or challenges as you and where you don't need to over explain anything. There's just so many reasons why we stay in this. Absolutely. We need so much more community and sisterhood and support in these spaces. We need coaches. We need businesses that cater to us because we're not being catered to. Clearly, there is a hunger. There is a need for this. And I'm so here for declaring right from the get like who you are serving in your community. Now, I want to play devil's advocate because I have been told by some folks that, you know, Focusing on one group of people is like reverse racism. Like you should be welcoming everybody. And it's like, pause. Mm -hmm. Yes, we welcome everybody. But I'm also not going to let random people come in here and like preach some bullshit to my audience because I care enough to make sure that we're curating who is actually accessing the community. So what are your thoughts on this concept of reverse racism if you are blatant about the fact that you want to serve BIPOC people first? Uh, <laughs> we have uh, a lot of thoughts and experiences. On that. We have we'll get into this. Hey. <laughs> so I'm an email copy coach. I send out a lot of emails. I get a lot of responses because with email, it's very intimate and people will say whatever they want, which is beautiful in many ways. And in many ways, it could also mean the trolls come out to play and they're like, you know, they will say what they want, like it's Reddit or something. So I've gotten so much pushback about that. Anytime I have stood up against white supremacy, against capitalism, against colonialism, um, especially back in um, June 2020 and, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter uprising, um, I get, I got a lot of, I guess, hate mail from people who were like, you anti-white, reverse racist scum. And um, let me tell you, the unsubscribes came in real fast. And I am okay with that. That's great, right? Because it's like these people are leaving. They're not for the people. Cool. Get out and leave. But reverse racism, all I'll say about that, it is not real. <laughs> but Talk about myths. Yeah. I mean, I just have so many stories about that. And I think what I take from that is that I am onto something. If I am getting this feedback from people that I am anti-white, that I'm a reverse racist, whatever, because my message and who I'm for is very clear. Yeah. Yeah. I, early on before, this was the catalyst to me doing, going all in on my business and fully betting on myself versus taking in subcontracted executive uh, coaching roles or facilitation roles through other like leadership executive boutiques. And there was a venture backed um, leadership, somewhat DEI training company in tech that supports women in tech and underrepresented minorities in tech. And I was leading a woman in tech circle and the white male CEO, very problematic, emailed me after my second cohort launch and said, Hey, Nadia, um, basically it was all the woman in tech cohort. I remember questioning it thinking, why is it all Asian women and white women? And why is all the, your, the underrepresented minority groups, like everybody else that is like all the different shades of Brown, black and Brown folks, this, that, and they were saying it was purely schedule. And then 
when afterwards he emailed me saying, you know, I would like you to not introduce yourself basically as serving solely woman of color, even if that was in my interview, that's on his website, that's on the intro email to my cohort. I don't know what the problem or issue was. I've already led a whole cohort for months. Um, and he said the definition of POC is black and Latinx, which nobody in the room was that. This white man told me the definition of that. And this is where it's just that was erasure. Of all the other experiences, my, my group had Japanese woman, Korean woman, Indian woman, and a, I think perhaps a Pakistani woman. And so it's just like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And so, and also let's name the fact that my last name is Deala because of Spanish colonialism. And did you think I was Latina? Right. And so these are the experiences that we get just by simply taking up space. And in a 45 minute conversation with him, best believe I sent an email saying, I have the privilege of you not being my sole provider. But if I was full time under you, best believe that I may think twice about taking up space and activating my voice. Like this is a privilege that I have that I don't need your money. So I can actually feel comfortable speaking up. And, you know, I told him that what you effectively did was all lives mattered me. And that this is this is the this is exactly the conflict and the friction that does that is just like such BS around, oh well, if black lives matters, what about everybody else's lives? Right. So we don't we don't play into that. We don't, we don't um we don't live by that. We don't act from that place in in our businesses. And Allison and I are very clear that, you know, it's it's about do you want to give the energy to those trolls or not, right? It's, it's really up to you and your comfort level. And unfortunately, sometimes it's strangers. Sometimes it's your homies. Sometimes it's family. And we know that as women of color, sometimes our communities don't get what we're doing here. Um, and we have to speak to our people and we have to 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 work through it with our own. Mm. I am so glad you told that man what he needed to hear. Kudos to you for standing up for yourself. We need more of that in our community so that people stop thinking that they can play us like it's not going to happen. We're not going to be disrespected. You're going to be told what you need to be told point blank, period. End of story. <laughs> All right. So I want to know kind of the biggest limiting beliefs or mental blocks that you help your clients work through about their capabilities, about what they think they can achieve, about their self-worth, right? Because that's something we are all struggling with. So what are some of those blocks that you help your clients get past? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, we, we talked about this earlier. I mean, a lot of the experiences that Nadia and I have are of course, the same experiences are our members and clients and let's get hella rich experience as well. So there's there's a lot of these limiting beliefs around like, I need to be the only person talking about this. Otherwise, I am not special and people won't want to work with me. Um, there's definitely like a visibility piece in here about needing to be the only one. And, you know, that really comes from the idea that there can only be one. There can only be one Filipino American talking about copywriting and, you know, whatever she says that has to be very different from everyone else, which um, we know is BS. Um, and, you know, it comes from something a lot. It comes from a deeper belief. But what it looks like is like if if that were me and, you know, it has been in the past, um, I would not put myself out there. I would just say, you know, you know what, like 
there's no use in putting my stuff out there because someone said it before or someone else is already saying it. There's another Filipino American copywriter talking about this, so I may as well not do that. So there's definitely a visibility piece there. It's funny when I say it, right? But it's like, that's what that's what was on. Um, there's that. And then there's like, there's, of course, the scarcity piece comes into play. Like there's there's not enough money or, you know, there's not enough of my ideal customers out there. And something that Nadia and I help our clients with and let's get hella rich is like setting up the foundations for your offering, which of course involves your ideal client. And a lot of the times what, what women and femmes of color do and our members do is like, they will try to find the like perfect ideal customer um, and keep refining that over and over until they don't feel like they're the, the leads will run out, so to speak. But yeah, not real. Have to stop real. <laughs> they don't exist. And also like, you're fine. Go ahead. Keep going. Like you, that your, your ideal customer is good enough. Like move on to the next step. So there, there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of those mind blocks around that. And I think what's great about, about Nadia and I partnering up is like, we are not only strategy coaches and we are not only mindset coaches. Um, we have a good blend of the two. And, you know, when we put those together, it just really helps our members shine and move through and overcome those limiting beliefs and fears. Yeah. I mean, all the things. And it's really fun, right? And I know um, Janice, as a business coach yourself, you probably experience a lot when your clients bring up something, you're like, oh shit, I'm going through that too. 1000%. And and that's the thing where I think that one of the myths and mindset blocks to, to kind of unravel or bust through is that once you solve a problem or move through a mindset block or problem, it's never going to happen again. (laughs) It's like, no, it'll just, just expect, I, I like to say create space for problems, create space for challenges, create space for the imperfect parts of business, because um, I just expect failure. I just expect things to feel hard and it's okay. And also, you know, no faking it till you make it that um, I just, I think that we have been taught through corporate America, most of the people we work with and ourselves have gone through corporate America and office work and technology. And all of it was basically a, a, an environment that told us we had to hide ourselves or assimilate or fall in line. And there's so much faking involved that transfers to entrepreneurship that I have had to unlearn and I see our members in Let's Get Hella Rich unlearning saying, oh, I can control my schedule. Oh, I don't need to be so militant on myself. Oh, I can give myself more grace. Oh, I can take a nap right now. I can be with my daughter right now because the sun is shining instead of this deliverable where I'm the person putting the pressure on myself, right? That, you know, we we get to, we always say, your business, your way. And there is no other way than doing it as aligned with your core values and who you really are. Um, and learning to be really present with what is versus stuck in the past and fast forward it into the future. Um, and I'll leave with done, not perfect. 
right? Like you were just saying that there is no perfect ideal client or dream client or avatar niche that will have the floodgates of leads flowing. It's just, it's not, there is no perfect in this world, in business, in life. So I like to ask all the time, we had a podcast episode around this and I asked every single one of my clients, whether no matter where they're at in their work journey or life journey, when have you ever been your, your version of perfect, even for 1% of like, even for one second. And it's just, if, if you have the answer, please tell me anybody, like, please, <laughs> I would like to know the secret, but nobody. So, so just, just let go. Um, Learn what you need to, unlearn what you need to. I love that message because honestly, y'all, like that is the real truth. We are still working through figuring our shit out every single day as entrepreneurs. So like, don't let anybody out here make you think like they got it all figured out. I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't arrive financially, emotionally, <laughs> you know, like there's not this, I, I mean, we, we have a podcast episode called your coaches have problems too, for that very reason. Because I think like, especially in the online business space, um, as a marketer, what I have noticed is this, um, I think we as entrepreneurs, as um, creatives, as thought leaders, whatever you want to call yourself, um, we often confuse confidence with superiority. And it's all too common for us to, for people to talk down to their clients that I have all the answers. You should work with me because I've been doing this for 20 years. I've made my clients millions of dollars. I know my shit. I am the shit. My offers are the shit. And I think that creates this, almost this hierarchy that does not exist. And when people are wanting to start a business like that, they often feel like they have to have that in, like they have to internalize that level of superiority, which is not true. It's actually hurting you and your clients and your marketing and your business. So one thing that Nadia and I like to iterate over and over is that like, look, we are, we create this container. We don't have all the answers. Everything we say is merely a suggestion. You do it your own damn way. And we're just here to, to guide the community. We're not like, we're not the queens, you know, like we're not, we don't have all of the answers. Sometimes we don't even have answers and we're going through our own shit too. And I think we owe it to our clients, to our community, to Instagram, <laughs> to, to make that very clear. Yeah. I just think everything you're saying is like we're human beings, all of us. Nobody shits doesn't stink. <laughs> like that's it. That's the that's the reality of it. And nobody is superior. And I mean, we don't have the luxury of separating things like politics and business or, or race and skin color and business or anything that we experience as Filipinos or API folks or BIPOC community members. It's like the amount of work I didn't do last week after hearing about the shootings in Atlanta and the murders in Atlanta mm -hmm. for our API community is just unreal. And we serve a lot of API folks because, you know, naturally that's just the community that we're attract that we attract. And 
just to know that everybody's energy was so messed up and that they couldn't focus on their businesses. They couldn't focus on their deliverables or their work. And just like, this is where it's just like, that isn't accounted for in most spaces. And those are the different types of mindset blocks that I think that most white coaches might not understand or hold space for, might need to understand so much levels of complexity and identity, um, you know, shifting. But I, I think that for us to know, like when I say no faking it till you make it, like don't act like you're not this person who was born with this rich, beautiful culture and these different types of um, perspectives and awareness and that we're not invincible or that we, we're bulletproof and we have to be perfect in every single way. We're just like, no, it just doesn't work that way for us. Oh, preach. Seriously, y'all. Like, we are whole ass human beings and we are going through shit and we need each other and our community in order to be our best selves, right? We can't do this alone. Yeah. We got therapists mm -hmm. and coaches and life coaches and business coaches and <laughs> groups. I mean, we're all figuring it out. Yeah, we're, we're all, all figuring, figuring it out. out. <laughs> and also it. don't figure it out by yourself. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> you could do it in community. That's exactly what I was going to say. The beauty of it is that we we know the power of community and we know that business doesn't have to be by its like done by itself. Absolutely. Now, I want to know what are your money mantras. So let's start off with you, Nadia. What comes to mind is, I mean, I'm sure I have a lot. Um, I change it all the time. But the biggest one that comes to mind is the money will come. The money will come. And I say that I, I, I got this from a coworker who I never really hung out with, but when they found out that I was taking um, a self-funded career sabbatical, which was kind of a big F, F you to my last company, I guess. I didn't think it was going to be that way, but so many people were like, what are you going to do for money? Does um, Very inappropriate people from white woman VP executives saying, hey, what does your mom think about you quitting? And I was like, would you have asked a white male what his mama thinks? I'm a grown-ass woman. What are you talking about? Right? Um, and I just remember someone taking me aside and saying, I took a six-month career break and it was the best thing I've ever done. And I just want to let you know, every time I freaked out about money, something always happened when I trusted myself, did what I could, stayed aligned with my energy and just took care of myself. The money will come. And I don't mean that in a passive way. Like there's so much freaking work we have to do. Like you got to do hard work. <laughs> there's a lot of work to do to make it happen. But just trusting that if I align with my values, if I stay good with myself, if I stay in integrity with my values and how I want to show up in my business, if I do it my way and still do the work, the money will come, even if it doesn't feel like it every single second or every single day. And so, yeah, and and beautiful things have happened, right? And it's come in unexpected ways, whether that's a tax return or a refund for overpaying or which is something that happened recently, which I was like, hmm, how did that happen? Or if it's an unexpected speaking gig that came through or it's suddenly someone highlighted my work and I got all these followers and 10 leads came through or it's, 
you know, someone who attended a workshop a year ago finally is ready to work with me, the money will come. And I know that a lot, I can see the seeds that were planted that sprouted it. Yeah, mine is very adjacent to Nadia. So I have two. The first I'll start with is I am not my money traumas or mistakes. I think when we think about money, um, a lot of guilt and shame comes up. I mean, I I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to 12th grade. So Catholic guilt is what? Real. So, and it's it very much has transferred to money. Like we feel so guilty for not knowing that we should have been investing when we were 25. Like who was telling you what I, what I ask myself when I ask clients is like, who was showing you how to, to manage your money in a very healthy way, in a very aligned way, who was showing you that? And usually the answer is, well, no one. And if no one was showing you that, like, of course, of course you, of course that happened. Like how, how would you have known? So um, I am not my money traumas and money mistakes. And then Building off of what Nadia said, mine is I am in control of how I earn money. And it's very similar with a slight nuance because um, it's similar in that it does take work. It does take work to make money. I'm not going to say you can make money in your sleep. Um, it's just, we can just wish it into so the growing. universe and it will come. You could just manifest it. But it takes, (laughs) I am in control of my money because I know what I can do to earn money, whether that is um, showing up in email more, whether that is partnering with other folks, whether that is, um, you know, securing a PPP loan that took a ton of hustling to do, whatever that is, um, I know the money will come because I am in control of my money and I know that I can trust myself that I can make it happen. Um, and to me, that is very, that that gives me this empowering feeling that things don't happen necessarily to me, that I, I have the ability and the power to create what I want for myself. And, um, you know, that that also makes me feel very intentional about what I'm doing, that I'm not like meandering and, you know, doing random things. It's like, no, I'm actually very intentional with my time and how I spend and um, how I run my business because because I am in control of my money. And when I am in control of my money, what I am doing is very intentional and smart to bring in that money that is very aligned with my um, with my values and also, you know, creating a lot of um, richness in that time, money, and joy that Nutty and I talk about all the time in our membership. Oh my gosh, you ladies are so badass. Yeah. Like, I am obsessed with y'all. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. You're badass too. <laughs> I guess that's another one. Get hella rich in time, money, and joy. Is that another money mantra? Hell <laughs> yeah. I am totally signing up for that one. <laughs> Okay, so before we wrap up this conversation, I would love to know what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is ready to start their entrepreneurial journey but is overwhelmed with where to start? Mm. 
Oh, so juicy. <laughs> I know. What would it be for you? Give us some hints. <laughs> for me, it's definitely like stop being your own worst enemy. Get the fuck out of your own way because you sitting on the sidelines is why what you want to create in the world is still just an idea in your head instead of something that people are giving you money for. Yeah. We are our own <laughs> That's it. Um, okay. So I've got it here. Um, your business, your way. That's something that we've, we said earlier on um, in this chat. But what that means is break down any beliefs on what you think business should be like, right? There's, again, truly um, a beauty in entrepreneurship where you get to be creative, resourceful, use your imagination in ways that traditional work just doesn't allow you to. And there's that side is so exciting. I, I just always want more of that. And to give yourself permission because along what you're saying that you are the only person that matters giving permission. There, there are plenty of points in, in entrepreneurship where someone you know, told me, oh, it's okay if you do that. I'm like, oh, I've been thinking about that and ruminating on that for months. And I should have just given myself permission. But it could be as simple as saying, I give myself permission to take the leap. I give myself permission to slow down. I give myself permission to come from my values versus my scarcity. I give myself permission to sit in my scarcity for a little bit and maybe learn something from it. Um, I give myself permission to love myself despite feeling this, this dense, like challenging, fearful thoughts, etc. And that's something that... We all have to do in our lives, give ourselves permission, but do it from a place of love, not fear. And also do it scared. <laughs> it's okay. You don't need to be 100% fearless to, to move forward on. You'll never be 100% fearless. Spoiler alert. Are you sure? I think one day. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Maybe for a minute. <laughs> Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe for me, it's, it's, I, I alluded to this earlier. I mean, find some support. You don't have to do this by yourself. There's this idea that you have to be self-made, you know, but like, actually, when I look back at my journey, I would be nowhere without the support and the community that I have. And when we try to do this on our own, I mean, we women of color are taught so early that we have to do everything by ourselves, and we cannot accept help because, you know, you just, you have this responsibility and I want to break that down or I want to, I want to, let's throw that out the window because any support you have, whether that's from a biz bestie, from a friend, from your family, from your partner, from a coach, from a community, from a Facebook group, anything like that, when you have the support of folks who get you and who will be there for you and fucking cheer you on during a launch, who will hold you when you're feeling, when, not if, you're feeling scared and, um, and concerned and stressed, I mean, that is how we move through the, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. It is not what it looks like on Instagram. It's not laptop at the beach, you know, drinking a cocktail or whatever that Spoiler is. Spoiler alert. Maybe it's, 
maybe 5% of the time. But even then, if I'm at the beach, I am at the beach. I'm not bringing my laptop. So um, don't do it by yourself. And that's that comes that goes for like your celebrations. And also when you're when you're feeling afraid, like don't do it by yourself. You you it's it takes it honestly does take a village to to build a business. So um, oh, wherever you're at in your yes. business, make sure you have that community support. Absolutely. You ladies are so badass. I am such a big fan. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having us. We could talk to you all day. <laughs> we really could. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling is so mutual. So for folks that want to find out more about you, where can we go and hang out with your fabulous selves? So we have quite a few places, but... um I'm at Nadia Deala for Instagram. We also have at Let's Get Hella Rich for our Instagram for our membership. Follow us at the Hella Rich Podcast. That's on any streaming. Um, that's on the uh, iTunes. It's it's Spotify, all the places. We also have a Facebook group for women of color entrepreneurs only. It's at Facebook.com/slash/groups slash hella badass woc um and then my instagram is allison carpio which i'm sure will be in the show notes but we we would love to we'd love to stay in touch with you and be in community with you come join us <laughs> we'll be linking all of that in the show notes ladies keep being your badass selves thank you for inspiring us to get hella rich to own our power as bipoc women I am so, so grateful for your presence here, for your message, and for the work that you continue to do to empower us uh, from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of my community. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. 
We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.